Hello, and welcome to the Christian Talk Show. You're listening to JK Woodall Ministries. Well, today is a special day. We have Margaret Agar. She has two books written in his footsteps. That's the title. And she has one book coming soon. But today, Margaret's going to talk us through and help us understand how God moves in her life, how she hears from the Holy Spirit and how she acts or reacts when the Spirit asks her to do something. Take a listen. Make sure you share and subscribe and bless someone with this story from Margaret Agar in his footsteps. Stay safe, stay blessed, and remember, you have the power. All right, Margaret. That's perfect. That's, that is perfect. Perfect. Welcome, Margaret. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. How are you doing? We're doing I'm great. It's Saturday. Uh, amen. Amen. It's a beautiful Saturday. A God-given day. And I want to welcome you once again to the talk show, the Christian talk show, Margaret. Well, welcome everyone. This is the Christian talk show with JK Woodall Ministries. And we are with Margaret Agar. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to this. Amen. We are too. We, we you know we looked at your bio and some of your books. We'll, we'll get into that. And you are truly blessing individuals. But before we get started, we're going to go for we're going to have a quick prayer. Is that is that okay? Perfect. All right, Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for allowing us to speak to one of your daughters and showing us how you answer prayer, how prayer is the key. And your daughter, Miss Margaret Agar, is going to speak to us today so we can see how you actively are working in her life. May this podcast bless someone out there. May it change someone's life. And we thank you for what you're about to do today. These are all things we ask for in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. All right. So, so welcome. I know it's your first time on the talk show. <laughs> they're, they're, they're excited to hear you. Okay. <laughs> so welcome on the talk show, on the Christian talk show. Miss Margaret Agar, why don't you go ahead and give the the audience maybe a, a quick intro on, you know, who you are and, and and what you've been doing and how God's working in your life. Well, I um, I'm older. I have raised eight children. I have seven stepchildren. I was an executive in the high tech industry, and I had times, uh, especially two particular times in my life, it was I was completely overwhelmed with too much to do. And no, no way to get it all done. And so I just started taking my to-do list and turning it over to God. I just look at it and say, uh, I don't even know where to start. It all looks important. So what do I do? And then um, he, he actually did. He actually answered. I learned to pay attention to that s still small voice and look at it, cross things off, add things. It's interesting. He often added a little bit of service like take someone to dinner, make a phone call. And as I did that, my life got under control. So I thought, okay, I don't need to bother him with this anymore. <laughs> and then um, a few years later, it was all out of control again. 
with like a five page to do list and not knowing where to start. And as I started again this time, the thought came to me, maybe I'm not supposed to take it back. Maybe this is how I turn my life over to God is to give him my daily to do list. And that's when I thought, is that scriptural? And the answer came in, in two verses. One was John 8:29, where Christ said, The Father I have always with me, because I do always those things that please him. And he often went off and prayed for long times and then came back and said, We're going here today or there today. Um, and then as I was listening to the Lord's Prayer again, there's the part where we say, um, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I thought, hmm, I wonder if in heaven the angels are saying, gosh, I'm so busy. I have so much to do. Will you help me with this, God? Will you take care of that for me, God? Will you bless me with this? Or are they saying, what do you want me to do today? And, that, and that's really when my life changed. Oh, that 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 is that is amazing. You know, when, when God, when we ask for things, you know, some people think it has to be, you know, um, you know, I guess, you know, for some of us, mountain moving, super, you know, uh, complex, but those daily things, you know, those daily inserts and when God steps in and he, and he, and he hears those, those prayers, it's special, isn't it, Margaret? It's very special to see that he hears you and then he answers. Right. And it's, and it's how he, he uses us is if we're willing to listen to him. Amen. As I'm sure there are many who do. Um, I used to think, well, maybe it's just me. Because the nice thing about it is once I started doing that, I used to be the kind of person who in the middle of the night, I'd wake up in a panic. <gasps> what did I forget? What still has to be done? I could hardly sleep. I maybe got four or five hours sleep a night um, because I was doing so much. But after I started doing only what God said needed to be done, I stopped worrying about the rest of it. Oh, if it's not on his to-do list, I guess it's not on mine. And um, I could sit down and relax and just enjoy my family about 8 o'clock at night. So um, I was talking to a pastor, and he said he was burned out as a pastor. He was ready to just, re you know, resign. And he started doing the same thing. And he said, it's interesting because about 8 o'clock at night, I was all finished. <laughs> God's to do is I could just sit down and relax with my family. So I don't know if it's just us or God. But, you know, 8, that's a good time. You can stop now. You got to give yourself some rest to get, to get ready to do God's work the following day. You know, Margaret, so the footsteps, I see you have several memoirs here for the footsteps. So through that exchange, that prayer exchange and the answering of God um, to, to help get the, get those daily events in order, how, how, how did the footstep memoirs come together for you? It was very similar. Um, I was one day sitting in my little office um, and the thought came, write your life on the internet. Now this was 24 years ago. Blogs weren't a big thing. And I thought, as, as I often think when I get these directions, well, it was, huh, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I mean, I'm willing to do it, but I don't have a clue. Today, you'd be like, oh, okay, I'll start a blog, but they weren't really big back then. 
And so I was thinking about that one day. I was, I mean, I had been thinking about it for a couple of days and praying. I don't know how to write my life on the internet. Um, I came across a site called Open Diary. And it was, it's a private diary where people could write anonymously. And I began to write what was happening in my life. And after a couple of years of that, I felt like Heavenly Father said to me, now you make it a book. And I thought the way I should make it a book was to take those and figure out how to turn them into a traditional book. And the answer came, um, no, take what you already have, take the most spiritual stories in them and make them into a book. The book is written. You just need to arrange it. And that's how the first one came about. Um, in his footsteps, I gave my to-do list to God, got more done, more sleep, and less stress, because I'm not really good with titles. Um, the second one, <laughs> we um, put a few things away in storage and sold everything else, and we began to um, do missions. So we went up and worked with some Native Americans in Alaska. We were working with an inner city church, Hispanic church in Albuquerque. And I was writing emails home to uh, my friends and family. And that's how I think of the second book, like emails from the mission field, the people we met, the things we happened. Well, the one thing I always remember the most, do you know how you feel called to repent sometimes? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> so I was thinking, I kept thinking about things I'd already repented of. And I thought, I don't know why these things keep coming back. I thought I'd repented. I thought I'd been forgiven. Why am I thinking about these things again? And the answer I got was, well, you did repent of what you did, but you haven't yet repented of the attitude that caused you to do them. Like, I don't know, pride selfishness, <laughs> yeah, yeah. short-sightedness, mm -hmm. laziness. I could think of quite a list. It's interesting because I said to my husband, are you having the same experience? Hmm. He said, yeah, I decided it was Satan. I thought, it must be nice to be him. So as you started to, you know, get these feelings of, you know, past uh, items you repented on, or at least you thought you repented on, it helped develop or did it help refine the vision of the footsteps that God had had for you? Good question. Um, yes, I've often felt as if he has something he wants me to do, but I'm not yet the person who can do it. Um, mm. I had mm. anger issues. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, was, I was probably... You know that word Karen that they use? I was probably a really good Karen. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, but, you know, I'd be upset with a post office lady or the woman at the library, things like that. And, um, and I really felt like he was saying, until you get over this, I can't use you the way I want to use you. So I probably spent um, a good year working on that. If I... Oh, do you want a story with that? Sure. Yeah. If you want to yeah, help the audience out to understand how that transformation came about. I mean, this is this is what the talk show is about. So, yeah, if you want if you feel like sharing it. Sure. So I had gone into a post office and at the time 
um, I was using a credit card to pay for things because we had a small business. And someone had said, don't ever sign the back of your credit card because then people will have your, um, your signature, right? And so I, I had written, see, see my ID. That, that's sort of what was going around that you should do at the time. And when I went in, the woman was saying, I can't take your credit card unless you sign it. And I said, well, you can see, I mean, here's my ID, here's my signature. And this, you can see it's me and you can see that signature. And she was, no, adamant. I won't take it unless you sign the back of your credit card. I was pretty irritated by that and let her know. So um, I think I, I don't know what I did. Maybe I paid cash, but I went home and I started researching. Do you have to? And I'm complaining online, like people do. And people are saying, Look, <laughs> yeah. You need to read the, um, the thing you sign when you agree to have a credit card. And you do have to sign your credit card. And, and she has been trained to say she can't take a credit card without a signature. So I thought, oh, I was wrong. I was the wrong one. And so I had to go back and apologize, which I did. And, you know, I said, I'm so sorry. I was wrong. You were right. I, I hope you can forgive me. And I remember as I came, I felt so much better after doing that. And as I came out, I ran into a friend and she said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm eating crow. <laughs> That's what I had to do. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Things like that. I mean, they were little. It seems little, doesn't it? And yet it wasn't little to Heavenly Father. It's, you know, you can't treat people like that and be my my servant. Correct. Correct. So, you know, yeah, those little deviations, right, that we that we may dismiss or we don't focus on to our daily lives. But those deviations keep us away from the ultimate gift for what God has for us to do. What, what do you think about that? I, I, yes, I think you're 100 percent right. The other things that stop me from what God has me to do is. Um, well, some days I'm just tired. I can't remember thinking, you know, I'm old. I've been tired. I had eight children in 11 years. I worked full time. I was tired. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, I'm just tired. Christ only had to be tired three years. <laughs> I know he was tired. Okay. He slapped right. me in the storm. But he only had to be tired three years. No, I mean, okay. He, he actually died on the cross for us. So that's a big one. Um, but that's kind of how I was feeling. And, and I also sometimes, that's, that's what makes it hard for me. Sometimes I feel like I should do something and I think I'm just tired. Um, and so sometimes I don't always do it, but 99% of the time I do. So, so when you get into those, those states where, you know, energy is depleted, right? Hey, I gave it all I can give. Look, yeah, I got the grandchildren. I raised my children. I already helped out the family, the grandchildren. Everyone should be on their way, but they're still pulling on me. How, how do you find the strength? Do you pray? Do you do you fast? Or where, do you, where do you get into to get that extra strength from the Lord? That's a good question. And I've, I've seen a couple of things. One is, yes, I do pray. And second, I will often look, as I said, I, as I was going through my to-do list, I often had things on there that I did not need to do. And so the part of the reason I was tired and didn't have the energy is I was doing things I didn't need to do. And so then I'll start again, because sometimes I get really 
slothful about asking every day, what's my errand for today? Um, and because, because basically I'm thinking, does he remember I have to do dishes? But, but as I go through and start again saying, what do I have to do today? I'm not tired because he points out this thing you're working on. That, that's not important right now. You could let that go. And then my energy comes back. I know it's probably not the, the answer we're headed for. And sometimes I just do things tired. But when I do it tired, I feel good about it. And the energy comes back. Mm, I think it's one of the gifts of the spirit. Yes. Think? Yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, you're, you're tapping into some. So the Holy Spirit gives us that energy, you know, gives us the ability to do things we can't normally do. Right. So when the Holy Spirit shows up, although we're de- tired, right, although we're exhausted, although we reach the end of the, the end of the rope, so to speak. Right. It's like I, I, I don't have any more. The spirit shows up and gives us that that push. Right, gives us that that certain energy to get through it. So when you look back, uh, Margaret, and you see yourself in these situations, now you're writing a book and then you're balancing your life and you're taking things off your plate. How do you find time just to connect with God instead of just being, you know, busy during the day? What do you do, Margaret, just to take time out and hear what God has for you to do? Well, there's a couple things. One is I, my goal, my, my commitment is he's first. I, I am one of those people who could leap out of bed and get started on my list. But um, my commitment is to sit down with him first. And that sets the rest of the day. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, at one point in my life, I had to be at work at um, five in the morning. I had to leave the house at four. Oh, and wow. I would get up at 2.30 so that I could have a half mm-hmm. hour with God. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was how I set him first. Other people can do it at night. I can't. I fall asleep. Um, and the other thing is I have really honed my ability to hear that still small voice. And I mm. some, of, some of my best experiences with that. I can remember just driving home from doing something and I drove past a, a friend's place and she had a small hotel, little hotel in town with like A-frame lodges and things like that. And the thought came, you should stop and see her. I didn't know her very well. I, you know, we, I knew her to say hi. And the thought, and I was like, hmm, I don't know. And then the thought, usually it's like the third time I realize, oh, this isn't me. This is God. Like the first time I have a thought and I blow it off. If it goes away, that wasn't God. But if it keeps coming back and it's something good, then it is. Mm-hmm. So when I had that thought again, you need to stop. So I pulled over, knocked on her, um, you know, her private apartment. And she came to the door. She looked so she looked sad and withdrawn and surprised to see me there. <laughs> like, and I said, you know, I just felt like I should stop and say, hi, I kept standing there. So uh-huh. invite me in. But as we went and sat down, she started sharing about her son who was killing himself with drugs. Oh, wow. And, you know, what they were going through and where he was and how they released him from jail, like someplace a thousand miles away. And, they couldn't find him, you know. He, and she said, you know, if he had leukemia, 
people from the church would be over here with casseroles and sending me cards, but he's not dying of cancer. He's killing himself with drugs and nobody wants to talk about it. And so those are the kind of experiences. And, and I know she felt uplifted, but she said, mm -hmm. what I want to say is this isn't me. It's God. Right. She said that more because I want people to know how much God loves them. Right. The other day I was in the summer and because of my husband's heart condition, he stopped eating meat. He wishes he could, but he's not. And so I'm not going to fix anything with meat at the house, but I wanted some meat. And so <laughs> I'm going into town to Burger King and I'm going to get, you know, a Burger King burger. <laughs> and, and I kept trying to come up with a reason to go into town without him. And he kept like always wanting to go along. So finally I said, look, I just want to go get a Burger King burger. Okay. And not eat it in front of you. And he's like, oh, okay. So I'm driving into town and, and it's, you know, one of those places where a guy will be pulled a person sometimes it's a woman, with a truck selling watermelons. And I thought, hmm, and on the way back, I'm going to stop and get a watermelon too. And and then as I'm going through the line, I see the sign that says, oh, I can get um, an ice cream cone for a dollar. And I thought, yeah, I'm getting one of those too, because we're not eating ice cream either, because it's dairy. So, um, so I ordered the stuff, and I ordered the dollar ice cream, and they said they didn't have any more cones, because they put it in a cup, and I'm like, however... And then after I paid for it and was pulling up, the thought came, give the ice cream to the person selling the watermelon. And I thought, I want the ice cream. Mm. <laughs> I was like, you, why didn't you tell me like five cars back? I could have ordered two ice creams and we both could have had an ice cream. Right? <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> like, what are you thinking? And the thought came, well, you don't really need the ice cream. So I'm a little overweight. And I thought, so now what? Like you're my diet counselor, but okay. All right, I will. I think I'll give him the ice cream. That's my plan. I will try not to eat the ice cream. It was only a couple miles. I thought I could have that much self control. I pull off the road at the ice cream, at the ice cream, at the watermelon truck person, and this older man just sweating. It was so hot, so humid, because we're in Florida, and hot, humid in Florida is hot. Mm -hmm. and yeah. Humid. And, and I could see he had a bottle of water, but there was no shade. It, it looked like steam was coming off his bottle of water. And when I got out of the car and he came up, I said, oh, I have an ice cream for you. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. And I didn't say, you know why I have an ice cream for you? Because God wanted you to have an ice cream. Because until telling the story. I didn't do that. You know, it feels like I took credit for something that wasn't me. Yeah, you followed the instructions. That's that's what you did. So that's a good thing. You followed the instructions. I did. I did. And, uh, you know, it's okay. I think I'm fine without that ice cream. <laughs> it, did, it didn't kill my life. Those are the kind of little things I do. They're hardly, I mean, I have had some life-changing things where once um, a woman in our church, and in West Virginia, I didn't even know this was possible. Um, her house had burned down without fire insurance because she couldn't get fire insurance there are actually some houses that you can get homeowners insurance on oh okay mm. yeah. and so she happened to live in one of those and so there was a church we helped her get an rv that's that's as far as we got it was a small church maybe 25 people coming out mm -hmm. and so um, one day i was sitting in church and the thought came um build her a house <laughs> oh wow i kind of thought where you're like yeah, okay. 
So we don't, I don't know anything about how to do that, right? But that's the thing about God. We did build our house. It took about a year and a half. I got lots and lots of donations. Um, we went over on the weekends. Groups of us went over and built. It was small, but only 560 square feet. But she, you know, she was just one person. And it just, it, you know, it came out. She was able to live in that house um, until just a few years before she died. And she had to go into a nursing home. But, yeah. So sometimes they're little give somebody an ice cream <laughs> sometimes they're right right sometimes they're big yeah but the thing is margaret you're always obedient to the word now when you're looking at your books in the footsteps which one was the first out of, out of the series the first one is one um, i gave my to-do list to god because then the second one where we serve missions that's when i thought wouldn't it be nice to be in a position where i'm just going to give all day every day to him i don't have to worry about um, you know, taking care of anything except his work. Maybe a pastor feels that way. I don't know. But that, so that's why the second one was um, missions. We sold all we had and followed as God created new hearts. And then the most current one is the uh, becoming one with Parker. Yes. And that's almost done. That's what I say. Sign up for the newsletter and I'll send you a story every month. And at some point this year, I'll actually have that book ready. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's coming soon. Yeah. You know what's stopping that one is I, I kept trying to write it. And the answer, the answer I got from God is you are not healed enough to write that book yet. Wow. And wow. So he wanted me to take this year to go through the healing process. What I am using is adult children. Have you heard of adult children? Uh, no, ma'am. No. It's a spinoff. You know, Al-Anon is a spinoff of AA, and Adult Children is a spinoff of Al-Anon. Hmm, okay. And so it, people will say to me, I never was an alcoholic. I never lived with an alcoholic. Um, so AA and Al-Anon didn't work for me. But I knew there was some, but my grandfather was an alcoholic. And these patterns of behavior are passed down. And what people who come to adult children say to me who have lived with adult parents uh, who were alcoholics and who have at some point become addicted to drugs or alcohol say is, I went to AA and I stopped drinking. I went to Al-Anon and I got um, all the people out of my life who were, who were causing me to you know, be codependent. Mm. I came to adult children, and I got healed. It's very different. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I, Heavenly Father wants to heal us. I, this is what I say that book is about. When I was a single parent, supporting my kids, I had two boys still at home in high school, and a few still living at home who were going to college or working. And... One day I was praying about, I just wanted to go on a date. I didn't want to get married because I don't think stepsons, you know, teenage stepsons and stepdads, I, I think it could be a real problem at times. I just didn't want to put them in that situation. So I wanted to go on a date, but I didn't want to get married again. And so I thought, well, what I should do is date people. It would never occur to me to marry because uh, sometimes I think more like data than a human being. 
Um, <laughs> seemed like a good solution, right? And, and I could feel Heavenly Father's like, no, you should not date people like that. What? But I'll tell you what. I this was in February, and he said, I'm going to. You're going to meet the man that you're going to marry next fall. And I thought, I thought I made it clear. <laughs> I don't want to get married. I'm concerned, but. It sort of came around by the time it happened. So I did meet him. I met Parker in the fall and we married, but we didn't marry till the spring. And you would think that if God put us together, that this would have been, you know, a problem-free marriage, right? That's what I thought. Oh, well, if God put us together, what could go wrong? <laughs> that was not the case. <laughs> right, right. You got to go through some things, Marguerite. Yes, you do have to go through some things, and he helped us. And at one point, um, I was I was so upset about how hard it was, what I was having to deal with, both with my own issues and his. And I went to Heavenly Father, and I said, I I was crying. I said, I I I want to do it, but I I need a. Uh, often he gives me a verse. I, you can, I'll just say this verse over and over when I'm going through something. And I said, I just need a verse. If you can give me a verse, I when I'm feeling like this, that will help me, then I think I can get through this. But he didn't give me a verse. What he, he gave me a promise. He said, all will be made whole as a result of this marriage. Wow. And, and you know, when Christ says to people, some people will heal, but others he said, that has to be made whole. And he was talking about spiritual and emotional as well as physical wholeness. That's what that word that's translated as whole in the Bible means. So there were the 10 lepers and one came back to thank him and he used right. that word. Thou art mm -hmm. whole. And when the woman with the issue of blood touches him, he said, thy faith hath made thee whole. He's referring not just to the issue of blood, but to her emotional and spiritual um, pain. And so, right. yeah. And so this book is about how, how do we get made whole? Wow. Do? Yeah. What did you go through? So, so that book is coming soon. Yes. One would hope. <laughs> I, for a while. I really think I'm there. <laughs> well, you do, you continue to let God lead you on that because I know when, when it's complete, it's going to change some lives, Margaret. It's going to, it's going to be transformational to, to your readers and, and these listeners here today, they know to go ahead and um, order, pre-order their copy or, or at least look out for it. Yeah, I think if they if you um, go to my site, a thing will pop up that says you can sign up for my newsletter. I only send out one a month, um, so it's not you know going to deluge your inbox. And I'll let people know when that book is available. So thanks for bringing that up, J.K. Oh, no worries, no worries. So, Margaret, let's focus on your first book. Then I, I gave my to do list to God and got more done, more sleep, and less stress. It's true. People say, how did you do it? And I said, it's pretty simple. It really is. And one, so first is, and many people here know how to recognize that still small voice. But in case there are some who are listening who don't, um, I, I write about an experience I had where I said to Heavenly Father, I, I'm not sure I know how to recognize your voice, but will you help me? In fact, it almost seems odd to ask you to help me figure it out. Because if I, how would I know you're doing it, right? Right, um, right. Yeah, right. And so what happened is um, 
I was in my 20s at the time, and I was uh, decided to make chili for dinner. I'm making this pot of chili, and it kept, I thought, wow, this is a really big pot of chili. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. I had to get out another bigger pot and pour it all in, and the thought came to me, you know, invite the Joneses to dinner. And I thought, uh, you know, I, the Joneses just came to, to dinner Friday, and today's a Monday, so I don't think I'm going to invite the Joneses again. And like I said, that's when I learned the thought kept coming back. And so about the third time, I thought, oh, well, you know what? I will invite the Joneses to dinner. And they came to dinner. And usually we'll have like a little scripture study. And Heavenly Fathers have the scripture study with the Joneses. And at the time, we were teaching our children about tithing. And so I... Um, you know, and how if you pay your tithing for Malachi, the Lord will, you know, open the windows of heaven. So right, right. We're, and so I don't think they would have told us this until we went through the lesson. And then they said, we were way behind in our tithing. We wanted to catch up. We thought part of the reason we're having problems is we haven't been faithful about our tithing. So we got a check and we thought, well, it's enough to buy some food and pay part of our tithing. Or we can pay all of our tithing and trusting God to provide until the next Friday when they would get paid again. And they decided to pay the whole tithing. And as they came out of church that day, they had been invited to dinner every night of the week. Wow. Except one. Hmm. Every night. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. I'm their answer to prayer. So often that's exactly what's happening. We are people's answer to prayer. And that helped me learn to recognize his voice. So there's three things I do. One is I'll sit and as I ask a question, I'll start writing in my journal. And as I write, I start to think, oh, this isn't me. This is God. It sounds like, I don't know how it works for you, but for me, that voice sounds like me talking to me. Uh, I, it doesn't say, uh, invite so-and-so to dinner. This is God. It's something like, I ought to invite so-and-so to dinner. Like I put the word I in there. And so I've, I've had to learn to recognize the difference between just me and when God is speaking. And one thing I notice is he's very clear. He will use words I know, but don't necessarily use. It's mm -hmm. part of what we did. We were going to Alaska and I started praying, what do we have to do to be ready for Alaska? I mean, besides buy bear spray and a, and a gun because <laughs> of grizzly bears. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it was... Um, take a brisk walk every day. Now, here's the thing about brisk walk. I, I actually know what the word brisk means. I'm assuming you do too. You fairly quickly, right, right, right. Yeah, but I never use the word. I, I would never write it anywhere or say it in a conversation, but I know what it means. And so I knew that was him. And it was it was so clear because it was, you don't need to start jogging, but this is not a little stop and smell this flower stroll. I want you to get out there. And move get your heart rate up mm -hmm. so that's another way i notice he answers it's he uses words i know but wouldn't always use so so Margaret, when, when when he's using when god speaks to you and you hear these words does it have to be totally quiet is it you know are you are you busy does it just happen anywhere how, how, you know how, how does it um how do you often i am busy often i am busy mm. Oh, okay. Um, the, the canning tomatoes story. So um, 
my husband had gone up to, back to Alaska to stay with some friends and work on their gold mines. And I was all alone at home, very happy. But we have a big garden. He said, just make sure that it, all those tomatoes get canned. Will you do that? And I said, yes. And um, I remember, I'm very, I'm very um, committed to getting enough sleep. Okay. So I'm getting up and everything ready to can tomatoes, working away on it. And the thought comes, um, oh, you've got some cash. I had about $100 in cash. I have no idea why. I never have that much cash. And I thought, oh, I should take it and put it in the bank, which was about, because we live in the country, about 20 miles away. I, I don't have to do that because I, I can go to the bank tomorrow. And then I'm still working away, you know, the whole thing, trying to figure out how many minutes and how long is a pressure cooker and what do I set it on? When the thought comes, I'm busy. When the thought comes again, take that cash and put it in the bank. And I thought, um, I already decided I don't have to do that today. Well, so then again, like I said, it's almost the third time when I start thinking, oh, oh, this keeps coming back. And it's a good thing. I and mean, it's not a bad thing. So um, I said that I tried to back calculate, you know, when do I have to put this last set of cans in the canner to be out of here at five? I was a little behind. I actually walked out at 515. It's about four miles down our road to the highway. And as I turned onto the highway and drove a mile or two, I saw this woman with long blonde hair walking, carrying what looked like a jug of water. And I thought, oh, is that why I'm here? Am I to give her a ride? Because there's long distances in the country between exits. Mm-hmm. And the answer was yes, stop and give her a ride. So I pulled over. turned out she was a he, which usually I know, even if they have long blonde hair, there was a young guy. He got in my car. He was telling me why he was walking. He had walked something like 35 miles that day. Had not been offered a ride from anyone, and he was so red in the face. <laughs> his little bottle of water, and so I said, "Well, here's as far as I can take you. There's a truck stop there. Will that work?" He said, "Yes." And so I pulled off about 20 miles down the road and um, was letting him out near the bank. I again had that thought. I said, "Give him twenty dollars." I I just never do that. You know, I might buy some right, meat right. or fill their mm-hmm. gas. But it's like, okay, I knew by then this was God because I hardly ever saw people just walk along that freeway. So I gave him the $20 and he got out. And as he got out, I heard Heavenly Father say to me, do you see how much I love that young man? Wow. And I thought, oh, it was such a blessing. Mm-hmm. But then... Because you asked, you know, do you just, are you busy? Yeah, usually mm-hmm. I'm busy. Mm-hmm. I have my own plans. And so here were two questions. One I had, I kept saying, but why me? Why me? Like, he, he'd been walking for 30 miles that day. Surely plenty of people had passed him. Surely plenty of people lived on either side of that right. mm-hmm. and picked him up. So why me? Because... The, that night, because I hadn't finished canning the tomatoes, and that took about an hour and a half out of my day, I was got to bed after 11, and I was not happy about that. <laughs> I'm selfish. And he was like, didn't you feel blessed by it? And I thought, I did, I did. I felt the spirit. But maybe someone else needed to be blessed. And so, I mean, years later, I'm still asking that question, right? And so I said again, I still understand why it had to be me, why it wasn't someone else. And he said, because I knew I could trust you to go. And so 
I wonder if other people weren't getting that same prompting for some reason to go out and get on the freeway that day. But mm. didn't. That's and an interesting wonder, question. Yeah. Yeah, JK. How different would the world be if we just all got up and said, what do you want me to do today, God? Yeah. Yeah, excellent question. Like, we start your day with, God, what do you want me to do for you? Yes. Now, now, Margaret, when you ask those open-ended questions, like you said before, it can be very big things or it can be very minuscule things. So my, my question to you, Margaret, is are you always ready or do you have to prep yourself or when those, when those answers come to you? Well, JK, I'm 71. I had that first prayer, help me to recognize your voice when I was like 21. So I've been doing this for 50 years. So I would say I have become in tune to it. Wow. So yeah. That I am ready. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't change the fact that I'm unfortunately still me. <laughs> sometimes I'm tired. <laughs> right, sometimes right. I'm, you know, and sometimes I want that ice cream myself. Um, but I do try to do it if he asks. Um, and I, I just, it's such a great blessing. It's such it a is. great blessing to feel how much he loves us and how much he. He, he lets us be a part of bringing his love to other people. Yes. Yes, you know, there's um, one body, but like Paul wrote, you know, we're, you know, different, like hands or feet or ears, and the, and the, and the foot shouldn't want to be a hand, the hand shouldn't want to be a foot, right? You need to do what you're purposed, what you're purposed for, and it sounds like you're doing that, Margaret. Brings up another because I had a uh, an experience once, and this was in the second book, where I felt like I needed to call this woman. We had she'd let us in her house once. You know, she was at she was a church member, but it didn't often make it out because her um, she had disabilities and she had children who had disabilities. And I was in her house, but there was small, probably a trailer, and. I remember as we were talking with her, she had an answering machine. This is like in 2005 on a table next to her that people were calling and leaving messages and she was not picking up, but you can hear them. So she never let us in her house again. And I kept calling her and I kept feeling like the spirit was saying, call her. And I, th I thought, you know, we're just irritating her you know like a salesperson that you've had let come to your house and oh right, her, right. well that's how right. i felt right <laughs> like why do i keep calling her i'm sure she's just irritated by it and it's humiliating to have to do it that's how i felt it's humiliating um because i know she's just sitting there listening to my voice say you know if if you know we'd love to come see you but if not if you ever need any help that's how i ended every call if you ever need any help call us and i left our phone number I must have done that, I swear, 10 times. And all of a sudden, one day she called me. And I huh. said, huh, right, the same answer you have. Oh, and she <laughs> said, yeah. And she said, well, what happened is, um, and this, we were in Alaska, and this is when some, I don't know, volcano was going off. Uh, planes couldn't fly. 
and the ships weren't going because of all this um, ash in the air. And so she had gone in for what was supposed to be outpatient surgery, but something had gone wrong and they were going to keep her in the hospital. And her children were about to come home from school to an empty house. She wasn't going to be there. And so she called us because she needed help. And when I hung up, I thought, oh, I, I should do that. And the answer came, no, you don't need to do that. You need to call the, like the pastor's wife. That's who's going to handle this. So mm-hmm. I, I did. And so, like you said, you know, the hands of my feet and the feet, my, my, um, my role in that was to call her and then to turn the rest of the service work over to another person. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting is I was thinking about this years later and I thought, you know, it was the 10 calls that made the difference. I don't think she would have called us if I'd only called once and said, if you need help, call us. Here's our number. I think it was hearing it over and over and over again. If you need help, call this, call us. That constant reach out, that constant calling those 10 times and her hearing your voice. Here's my number. Here's my number. It prompted her, you know, it probably spoke to her in a way that she's, that she was, was like, Hey, this must be a divine in, uh, intervention here. I must, I, I got to call back. <laughs> I got to call that person. Right. I'm stuck here in the hospital. I assume she had saved it because how, I don't think she had my number memorized, but I expect she could call it. You know, how you can used to be able to call your voicemails. This is right. Right. No, I understand. Yeah. So, really, just, hmm. I, you know, I think what I'm trying to say is, as, as I learned to pay attention to that spirit, even when it felt almost like humiliating to have to make that call, even when I'm tired, even, he, he has the greater plan, and he sees how we can help each other. And I always feel that Holy Spirit when I do it. I feel his love for other people. And you know, JK, I think most of us, if you said, does God love you, would say yes with our head. But with our heart, at least for me, it was, but I'm not really that good, so probably not that much. That was kind of how I felt. But Mm. as I felt his love for these people, over and over again, um, I started to have hope that he loved me as much as he loved that young man right down the freeway or the older man selling watermelons. Right, right. You know, as I look at your second book and it says, we sold all we had and followed as God created miracles and new hearts. So we still create miracles, Margaret. Yeah. Would you call that a miracle that she knew to call me? I don't know. But, yeah. You know, you know, the miracles are different for each person, right? And a lot of, you know, a lot of miracles recorded in the Bible uh, may look different today because of the phone call. It may look insignificant to us at the moment, but it probably changed this woman's life because you, you were able to connect her or connect that family to someone that can help help them out. What what other items in, in your book, um, in your second book, Margaret, are there any other significant um, items you want to tell the audience about? 
I do. I want to talk about specific prayers. I had two experiences. One, when we were first starting out um, serving, and the other was towards the end. It's almost like, I want to make sure you got the lesson, okay? <laughs> so here we are in, in the inner city in Albuquerque, and part of what we did was, you know, go out to the jail and do classes in the jail, and we, and we met with people in town. Most people spoke English well enough that we didn't have to speak Spanish, or we understood Spanish. We had a hard time answering. And so, but when we first started, we were a mess. I mean, we were a mess. Um, and so we were visiting this one family and we had had some young men come along with us who understood Spanish and they could translate as we gave a lesson, not what we were saying, but when we asked the question, we didn't know what he said back. These people were like, I don't have a clue what they just said. And so we thought we had set a time to go back and give a, a Bible lesson to this family and that these young men were going to meet us there. Except they weren't there. It was just us. And so I started praying really hard. Let them go by, drive by, see our car, and know we need help. But they never showed up. And the next day, we ran into them and said, I was just kind of looking at them and said, hey, you know what happened? We drove by you know, Jose's house last night. And we saw your car and we thought, wow, they're brave because they really need help. And I thought, well, <laughs> I guess I left out the important part and have them come in and help. You know, it was like, what? I think we could have figured that out. Like, why did I have to add that? And I really felt like Heavenly Father is, I am clear and concise and complete. Now, I think as a new Christian and a new person learning to pray, I don't think that God would give this experience, but he did to me. He was saying, I need to know specifically what you're asking for. I want you to be specific. Um, and I often say that to people. Like sometimes we just pray, huh, I have an old story about this. Just, it's very... Um, It's very nebulous. Maybe that's mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I can remember my first husband, and, and this was, you know, in the 70s when there were three recessions and it was hard to get and keep a job. And we had little children, and I can remember praying and fasting and saying, please, please, um, I, I need a special blessing. Those are my words, special blessing. Mm. What I meant by special blessing was he gets a job and keeps it. I didn't say that. And so after maybe 24 hours of this fasting and praying, I felt heard and I felt the spirit say to me, I, I've heard you and I'm going to send you a special blessing. And I'm like, yay. And then it was, I'm going to send you another car, uh, another child. And I was like, uh, no, I can't even <laughs> see the ones we have. Like, what are you thinking? Although they've all turned out fine, JK. They've all turned out fine. All worked out. Amen. Um, amen. Yes. So anyway, so this idea of being clear, what is it you really want? So that's why I say to people, what did you really ask for? You might want to think about that. And so at the end of the mission, we're driving in Alaska. We have a truck with a camper and worldly goods in the back of it. And there's maybe a half, well, there's probably 600,000 people in Alaska now. And Alaska, if you laid it on the United States map, goes from the bottom of Texas up to Oregon. I mean, it's huge. It's a huge. Yeah, that's that's big. Yes, yes. Yes. And maybe two-thirds of the people, or more than half, live around Anchorage. That You know, that's like living in Seattle. They've got a Nordstrom's and Costco and fast food places. 
Um, but everybody else is way out and it's hard to get there. And these roads are hardly ever have anyone on them, even these long, long highways. And people have been known to just go off the sides of the roads. It's mountainous. So as we're driving and there's nobody else on the road, just us, all of a sudden, because you couldn't really see because of the snow on the road, my husband goes off the side of the road. So it's, um, you know, how the side of the road will be a little lower than the road itself. And so I started praying, help, help us stay upright. I was so afraid we'd just flip and roll down that mountain. Wow. Help us stay upright. Help us stay upright. Help us stay all right. And then I stopped praying long enough to say, why aren't you pulling back onto the road? And he said, I, I'm afraid to because of the height difference. I mean, I probably would have and done exactly what he said would happen. And if I do, he said, the car will probably skid across the road and flip over. I, it needs to be... I need to be able to come up gradually onto the road because of the few inches of height difference. And so I immediately changed my prayer from help us stay upright, help us stay upright to help us find a place to pull back on the road, help us find a place to pull back right. on the road. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Ma yeah. And then there was the place. He just sort of slid, was able to bring us right back on the road. And I honestly feel as if Heavenly Father was saying to me, I just want you to get the point. I just want you to get the point. Be clear. Wow. Mm hmm be clear in your requests, right? You know, a lot of us, you, you kind of remember the saying was, um, be careful what you ask for, right? Be careful what right. you pray for. <laughs> and sometimes I think it's always good to ask if it be thy will or if it'll, you know, be a true blessing. Because sometimes we, we do ask for things that will hurt us. That, that's right. So, so Margaret, can you, I, I know we're getting close to the top of the hour here, but was there a time when you said, you know, in your new Christian walk, years ago when you said yes, like yes to the Father, yes to the faith. What did that yes actually mean then as you look back on it now? You know, because I was young, um, you know, probably in grade school, I, yes to me meant I was being a good girl. Mm -hmm. That this is the right thing to do, that you know, I know Heavenly Father um, loves his children. I'm saying, yes. I don't even, if I look back, I'd have to say that I'll try to live a good life. I'm still going to do my life my way. That's probably what it was. Um, and you're going to be part of my life, a segment of it. Um, you know, there's school and family and God. And today, yes, does mean you have it all. Hmm. You have it all, Margaret. You have you have all the the necessities that God already provided you. Yeah. And and I will give it. I will give it. So yes means that you will be a blessing to others, Margaret, as God has blessed you. Yes. Yes means I, I will. I, here's what I I say. Please understand that sometimes it's hard for me, and yet I'm still saying yes okay amen no, that's good that's good margaret you know we're, we're closing in on the top of the hour and i want folks to be able to connect with you margaret so can you tell us a little bit like how can they find you are you on facebook youtube or you know kind of social media outlets what, what do you got going on how can folks find you 
Okay, so I have IndiusFootsteps.com, the website, and at the bottom I have links to my Facebook, um, Twitter, and Instagram. I pretty much try to have In His Footsteps in there, like In His Footsteps page, or I think Twitter is In His Footsteps, um, and I think Instagram is also In His Footsteps. So, yes. Well, Margaret, we appreciate you today. This was a, a great conversation. I know that all the all the listeners out there, I see them in the chat room. I don't know if you can see them, but they're they're saying giving you high fives. Um, we thank you. <laughs> you have really blessed us today with your stories, with your insight. See, they're going they're going crazy for you. Oh, anytime. You know, we're going to do it. We're going to do it right now. We're going to go ahead and invite you back at another time. Maybe have a part two. Is that, is that okay? That'd be great. I'll let you know when that book is ready for sure. JK. All right. All right. Mar All right, Margaret. So thank you very much, Margaret. We want to go ahead and close out the show. We want to say, we thank all of you for listening. Get the book from Margaret Agar. Go to in his footsteps. God is doing big things in everyone's life. May you continue to stay blessed and remember you have the power.